0: Imagine you're a tree. It does not help to glue on some leaves. To pretend I'm in spring when I'm in winter. No, what you do is you stand still and you wait for the sap of life inside your soul to start rising and to eventually bringing the leaves back. It's patience. And most of the church doesn't have the patience for people who are grieving and who are suffering. They just want whatever it is that's making them uncomfortable to go away and return when they're all good.
1: You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests, who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. When you've written more than 300 songs sung in churches around the world, it would appear to many people that you've got it all together. But to hear Brian Dirksen talk about it, his songs are a growth out of his very personal and private time with God. Many of these times came through times of grief and hurting. And now, Brian looks at those difficult times as the seeds of joy that helped spawn songs like Come, Now is the Time to Worship, or Refiner's Fire and I Lift My Eyes Up. I really enjoyed hearing how God called Brian to write songs in the first place, And how his career started out almost accidentally. So I'm going to share that with you. But I also want you to stick around to the end of the podcast so you can hear a brand new song from his latest Hymns for Life album. I don't think you want to miss it. Thank you for listening to the podcast each week. I've been a longtime fan and supporter of the men and women who write the music that encourages and challenges my faith. I hope you find these conversations as engaging as I do. But I can't do this each week without your support. There are costs each month to cover hosting, programming, and production. And I would be honored if you could see your way to helping cover some of those costs. So, I've partnered with Patreon to make it possible for you to help out. And for as little as $3 each month, you can help make sure these conversations keep happening. As an added incentive, the first 20% of all donations goes directly to help Mercy, Inc. Won't you consider heading over to patreon.com slash ccmexchange and sending a little love our way? In exchange for your contributions, you can hear the podcast a week early and submit questions to ask our guests. It would sure mean a lot to me if you would go to patreon.com slash ccmexchange and support the work that I'm doing. That's patreon.com slash exchange. Thanks for caring. I've known about Brian Dirksen's proficiency as a songwriter for modern worship. But as I was preparing for this conversation, I also discovered that he is a fanatic record collector. Being a collector of vinyl myself, I really enjoyed talking about the visceral experience of putting that record on the turntable and reading the credits as we listened to the music. This was a great conversation on many other levels too, so I'd like to invite you to join me in this conversation. So all the way from Abbotsford, British Columbia welcome brian dirksen thanks so much for having me when i send out the invitation to do these podcasts one of the things i say is uh you know what are things that we could talk about and you said your vinyl record collection and my ears immediately perked up thinking okay (laughs) i've got a brother here (laughs) what kinds of stuff are you collecting oh man i mean
0: old stuff new stuff um I, I'm just such a a fan of the whole physical experience of the <laughs> ta- the tangibility of a vinyl record, and here's a here's a little interesting story just just happened the other week. Um, my wife Joyce and I we go we go out for a walk at night before we go to bed, and it's dark by this point, and we'd come out of a few days of rain, and we walk down our driveway, and all of a sudden Joyce goes. You know, she'd point, look at the stars, Brian. And as soon as she said that phrase, look at the stars, I started singing,
2: look at the stars, Abraham, and believe I
0: am, which was a song written by Buck and Annie Herring. Right. Recorded by Phil Keggy on his Love Broke Through album in nineteen seventy six. So anyway, mm-hmm. so this is sparked by one comment. I come back to the house, I I go on like my phone app, you know, Spotify. Oh, I wanna I wanna listen to Phil Keggy's Love Broke Through doesn't exist on any mm-hmm. of the digital platforms. And I go, Stupid me. I have the vinyl record. <laughs> I don't need any of that modern stuff. I've got the vinyl records. So off I go and find the vinyl re- you know, and and the physicality of that, like, just like, I mean, there's lots of things connected to this. Like, think about that, that like, yeah. what is that? 40 plus years after the song came out, somebody says a phrase and it triggers a song. Yeah. And it's there still physically in my record collection. Like, oh, like, yeah.
1: Well, and then the physical of the artwork, I mean, a CD artwork or now the digital artwork, which is just a small little square on your screen. Yeah. And you can't really even see it. Yeah. But yeah. The-
0: it's like a postage stamp. And there. then the vinyl record, 12 inches by 12 inches, Human, I call it human scale um, artwork. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah uh you know even before i started needing glasses i could feel like i'm with the artist more because i feel like i'm spending time looking at what they wanted me to look at reading the lyrics reading the credits it's just a more holistic listening experience and the physicality i uh, my turntable a funny thing is i've got a, one of those that you know when the side is done i have to get off my butt and walk across the room Yep. Lift the needle off, you know, to and do the physicality of switching from side A to side B. Yeah. But those rhythms, those patterns, I think are, I don't know, I mean, probably just because they've been a part of it, but they 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 feel like they mean something. They they get you, they prepare you, they make you attentive it's you know for me it's like music is foreground not background so
1: well and and i appreciate the the being able to read the credits see who wrote and who performed and who did what and you don't get that in digital music these days no no yeah what was your first uh for your first big record find that you are going? oh my gosh i can't believe i got this
0: oh man well i mean uh james taylor uh never die young love that record found it at a used record store um and then i and i'm 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 still like ordering like new records you know like like put it this way once i really know that this the album whatever that album is that i just really really love like luke sital sing time is a riddle or something i go out of my way whenever possible to order it directly from the artist because I know that makes the biggest difference to them. So,
1: yeah, you got to in this day and age. I was just listening today on vinyl to Michael Lamardian's Conversations album. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Love that album. And uh, again, it wasn't in, on any of the streaming platforms. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, anyway, well, we could talk vinyl records all day long. I'm <laughs> sure the listener would just be thrilled with that. But <laughs> <laughs> so I also, uh, in doing a little preparation for today, I jumped over on CCOI and looked up. Brian Dirksen, and found 308 songs that you've written that are part of our worship vocabulary. What? That's what they showed. Well, so, that would
0: be include some co-writes and stuff.
1: Co-writes, yeah. Uh, some of the songs that our listeners might recognize is Come, Now is the Time to Worship, Refiners Fire, I Lift My Eyes Up. You've been writing worship stuff for a long, long time. I, I'm kind of curious, how did that get started? Where did you decide... Worship music is the stuff that I want to write. Oh man, you know it's. I would say initially it's the
0: stuff I didn't want to write. (laughs) I was, I you know, as a young person, as a teenager, I, I began to be really moved by music and and fresh modern, you know, music, rock music, folk rock. Um, But even, but I was always interested in music where the lyrics meant something right Hmm. so but i think initially i was wanting to do more probably like classic ccm Mm -hmm. and i was super frustrated with the music that was happening in the church scene at at that point we're talking now um the early 80s okay yeah so what would happen was i would go to like almost like write something more ccm but what would come out of me was a song that was less CCM and more suited for like a worship expression. Hmm. And it would almost like I would try and for the first little bit, I would kept on resisting this, but eventually I just came to go, well, like, I don't know when, when, when it comes, when music comes out of me, it just keeps coming out of me, like in these type of expressions. And, you know, if you go, way forward to like my my real kind of faith crisis years of 2010 to 2015 where i lost my words and i mean i literally started oh i should i should just give up writing like explicitly christian music and just write you know love songs and observations of life songs and right and i had a couple of ideas and i tried it but it was just like it just doesn't come out of me that way it's like i love that kind of music right like i i I love artists like james taylor and young artists like luke Sital singh who who are very much in that kind of folk um meaningful storytelling conveying life's emotions but for whatever reason (laughs) there was a gap yeah. that I guess I needed to contribute to at that
1: point that I felt drawn to. Do you think that was an intentional uh, gifting or was that a call from God or was that just kind of what came out of where you were at?
0: I mean, I think it's probably a bit of all of them. I have a very distinct um, memory of a, of a experience I had as a You know, as a 15-year-old teenager who was going in one direction, and then I had a very profound spiritual experience and encounter with God one night. Actually, okay, so I'm speaking to you right now from my home that I grew up in. So this encounter happened right above my head where I'm speaking to you right now in the room right above me in that bedroom, which is above my study where I'm speaking to you. And I felt like, it was like the presence of God, the presence of love, a fire, I don't even know how to put it into words, entered that room, and it was like consuming, it was just like burning in me. And I felt like this whisper, you know, will you give me your whole life? Will you serve me? will you surrender to me kind of feeling and mm-hmm. i was i would have called myself a, a very much a christian up to that point but this was a very profound personal experience and overnight my i was a basketball player i had a business already as a teen oh, wow. a teenager we grew rose bushes i had been working on that business since i was 12 years old and i already had some money and i was i was saving up for a sports car about and it was like all of that was just like whoosh, gone wow and this desire to pick up a guitar and to start responding to this presence this god that had visited me and started singing not just about him mm-hmm. but to him intimately and i think that was also the gap that I started seeing in the worship music of the day is that there was like scripture songs and songs about this truth and that truth, but there was very little music that was actually sung personally to God. Mm-hmm. And that's what started coming out of me simple songs like, I lift
2: my eyes up.
0: You know, my help comes from you you know, yeah. maker of heaven, create, oh, how I need you, Lord. Like, it was yeah. it was just very simple and very honest. So it was quite surprising to me, because it was so personal and so private, when a few of those songs kind of leaked out that all of a sudden other people started using them and said, wait, well, what's going on here? <laughs> like, yeah. you know.
1: So, so do, by leaking out, how did those get out? Did you, you, I'm sure you started singing them at your church, probably? Well, yeah,
0: I mean uh remember like i mean oh, do i have time to tell you this story oh what the heck i'll try and tell it quick okay so so one of the very first songs i i wrote came out of a moment with our first daughter rachel okay so rachel was a baby i have this moment with her i'm holding her she's like 3 4 months old i start all of a sudden i start weeping because i realize that I want to experience that kind of closeness with my mm. my Father in heaven, with my Maker. I want to know the way I unconditionally love my daughter. I need to know that I'm loved, and I'm I'm having this weeping, and and I this whisper comes, you know, why don't you write this into a song? Why don't you sing this back to me, kind of. Hmm. And I'm like, at that point, I wouldn't have seen myself. I I dabbled a little bit with whatever. So I wrote a a song. It was my secret song. It was called Father, I Want You to Hold Me. And nobody heard that song. This is probably where I say the word leaked out because for six months, nobody heard the song. I was playing bass guitar on our church worship team. okay? Okay. Yeah. Then one week we have this little Bible study group. And they have they do a a study of can't remember the passage, maybe it was John 15, something, and something about the father wound in culture came up at that Bible study. Anyway, at the end of it, the leader looks over at me, and goes, I just have this impression, Brian, that you have a song hmm. that would be really helpful to wrap this up and to bring this home to us. And and I'm kind of like, if you've ever seen the Muppet Show. I'm a little bit, I'm shy by nature. I'm like Beaker, like, no, no, you know, (laughs) like, you know, as Dr. Bunsen honeydew comes close for another experiment. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, I play the song. There's like 10, 15 people in the room and it just really touches people. Mm. Okay. Fast forward a few months later, I'm on a stage at a conference playing bass guitar. There's 5,000 people at this conference. It's a John Wimber Vineyard Conference. And they do a session on the father wound and culture. And they end the session. And Andy Park, who was in that Bible study, who was the worship leader for the conference, looks at me and goes, Brian, I want you to go up and sing that father. I want you to hold me song right now. Okay. And I'm the bass player, right? So I walk up onto the stage and I'm like trembling, shaking. The, The Wimber and the leaders are looking at me like, Why is this kid, this young bass player walking up onto the stage like Mm -hmm. they're looking at Andy and Andy's going like, it's all good. (laughs) Just trust me. You'll like this. You know, so anyway, I sing the song. People are touched. People are weeping. And Wimber comes up to me and goes, that was profound. My father was an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and he left when I was four years old. I've been waiting for a song like that. Could we publish this song? And wow. I'm like, I'm like, what's publish? Yeah. And oh. he explains, you know, I go, I have no idea. And then he says, <laughs> Do you have any other songs? And I had Faithful one, and I think I had just written, I lift my eyes up. And I said, mm. Well, I've got a couple of others, but he goes, We'll publish those too. He hadn't even heard them. Wow.
1: Wow. And so that's the beginning of your your time with Vineyard.
0: Exactly. That yeah. that was. And and because Vineyard was very much into. Um, taking risks on on like new expressions. Yeah. and and so somebody like me, you know, some people asked, well, why, you know, I grew up Mennonite, Mennonite brethren. Mm-hmm. you know, well, why did you leave the Mennonite church for the vineyard? Well, I go, I was given freedom to be me and to experiment and to try and write these new these new songs. And
1: yeah, that's how it started. Fast forward a few years, you have songs like uh, Come Now is the Time to Worship, and I heard you say this on an interview one time, where you had people coming up to you from uh, foreign countries saying, yeah, we sing that song in Farsi. Yeah, yeah. It's What is that experience like to realize that these intimate times you've had with God that have been translated into music are now being used around the world for people to worship the Lord?
0: Yeah, it's it's one of the most it's really hard to put into words because you feel like it's like a knee weakening moment when something like that happens. I mean, the, the thing in Iran and people singing it in Farsi, the thing about underground, the Chinese underground church and all these people, you know, um, there was just something that resonated and I know it's not me. But it came through me, so it still sounds like me. Do you know what I mean? Like it has this, it has this um, obviously God's um, mark of love and His character and all of that. But it also, um, as His son, like I understand being a father myself, I I, I just delight when my children are uniquely themselves. So I yeah. think. And I've always, you know, struggled at times because I don't f- often feel like I fit in. I don't feel like I fit very many places, you know, uh, mm. <laughs> when everything is even now when everything's going so into like what I call big, hyper, you know, <laughs> yeah, grandiose. Yeah. And I'm much more into simple and intimate and honest. OK, I don't fit, you know, but, you know. It's just, it finds its way where it wants to find its way, and the songs do, and I'm grateful and humbled. And
1: I'm very much aware of the fact that God has put into each of us the talents and skills He needs, and why He chooses to use us as humans to enact and do His work on earth is beyond me. But the fact that you're willing and obedient to follow that leading and then to let that be released for other people. It's just a very, very cool thing.
2: Mm.
1: I appreciate that. Mm. So, I also saw that you spent a little bit of time in England mm-hmm. as a, a church worship leader, trainer kind of an individual. Yeah. But the thing that was interesting to me is that that dovetailed on a per- period of your life that was difficult mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. Do you want to talk about that transition and what that? Why, why did God take you through that season?
0: Mm. You know, well, I'm never going to know the answer why other than I think our suffering and um, our our deepening awareness that we're not in control of outcomes puts mm. us more in a place of trust and in of empathy with other people who suffer maybe differently circumstances but we all suffer you know we had we had tried you know that whole father theme was very strong mm-hmm. with me in the father wound my very first song father i want you to hold me eventually led to fast forward uh six years i wrote a, a, a co-wrote a musical called father's house we an album a stage production then we went we sold out all of that it took off the album took off around the world and so we went okay let's go let's go bigger and we went we put a million dollars raised and raised a million dollars and put into a stage production and it collapsed um due to a number of factors we just didn't get enough we tried to grow too big too fast we didn't get enough sales for the live show and we had you know, 50 people on payroll and we just, yeah. So, and and our last ditch effort to keep that show alive, we sold our house and put the equity into the show and that still wasn't enough. So we lost everything. Mm. And at that point, at that lowest point, we had also just found out that our son had Fragile X Syndrome and would require care for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. We lost our house, everything. And we were offered a job in London, England, um, to come over and not just be a worship leader at A Church, but to mentor and train young songwriters and worship leaders in the vineyard movement of churches in UK, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and all of that. And so off we went in the spring of 97 and arrived in London not knowing a single person and uh, and then there was the almost like the rebirth of what I did next which which started kind of with come now is a time to worship yeah so and that's but the thing is that came that came right out of the the turbulence of of the collapse of the musical, of the finding out about our son. So all the things that, outcomes that we didn't want were happening over Mm -hmm. and over again. And I, you know, I mean, obviously at that point, I I wrestled with my faith. I had times where I wasn't sure I was going to survive. But I thought, I'm kind of confused and disoriented right now. So I'm going to serve somebody else's vision Mm. until my vision comes clear again. And that's what I did for John and Eleanor Mumford, uh, who are actually the parents of Marcus Mumford from Mumford and Sons, the huge folk band. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus actually played drums in my worship team in London.
1: Oh, how fun. So how long were you in, in London then? Two and a half years. And, and you talked about this was a period of time where you were wrestling with your faith and yeah. did that time in England bring you back to wholeness in Christ? Uh, or were you still wrestling with that when you came home? How did that no, work? The, re-
0: the wrestling's never ended. I mean, I'm whole in Christ through all of the seasons of my life, but I don't always feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you go through fresh... Um, I don't like the whole term deconstruct, reconstruct of faith. I more term it as an ongoing renovation. Mm-hmm. It's like our 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 house of faith, our life of faith is just an ongoing renovation. And so there's points where you think, oh, that wall, that wall that was there, okay, we're gonna remove that, we're gonna renovate that. Mm-hmm that's actually not a bearing wall. I thought it was (laughs) a bearing wall, but it's not a bearing wall. And I think suffering, all of those layers add to that process. Um, But this was, I would say I had two major crises of faith in my life, 1997 and 2010 to about 2013.
1: Well, and the thing that I think, our churches today do poorly is a lot of our focus and our worship is how great God's gonna make you feel. And we're gonna put yeah. a pretty bow on it, and we're gonna make it nice, and it's gonna be friendly and easy. And yeah, you know, the, the scripture says, uh, take my yoke upon you. A yoke means work, a yoke yeah. is not comfortable. Yeah. Um, and and I'm just grateful that we serve a God who is ask me the tough questions, mm. you know, ask me. Ask me anything because I want to share that with you. It's like a dad taking his kids somewhere for the first time, and but not pointing things out, letting them discover them on their own. And I wonder how often God is saying, "You know, I've got this great adventure to share with you, but you have to ask me to join you and go with you."
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I think that the church, the modern church of the West, who doesn't know what to do with, um. difficult human emotions Mm -hmm. sadness anger grief all of which are human and image of god emotions but but we we somehow have reduced it to you know happiness and joy and we we take a few scriptures and then we say this is the formula and completely bypass all the the fact that 40% of the psalms the songbook and the bible are laments and dismiss that and you know like sometimes i think oh man no wonder suffering people don't want to come anywhere near the church yeah. because their song isn't being sung the song mm-hmm. of the suffering isn't being sung and some christian leaders go no well you know our only calling is to praise god well if you force praise you do violence to a person's soul and i've i've gone through that and i
1: talk a little bit more about that statement if you well, force praise you do violence to a person's soul yeah i mean praise has to be a response
0: to that which god does and what god reveals that which happens in life that brings joy and life i mean of course praise isn't just a sp- spiritual thing as c.s lewis says you know you know the countryside rings with praise like you know readers their favorite author or you know us musicians our favorite artist or whatever like we praise that which in response to that which brings us life that which brings us revelation And uh, I think Psalm 42, you know, it says, so why are you so downcast on my soul? For I will yet praise him. In other words, the psalmist Mm. isn't praising yet, but he's saying it's going to come, it's going to come back, Mm, but I'm not going to do violence to my soul by forcing it right now. I'm not going to pretend that I... I am there. No, I am here. <laughs> I am yeah. here in this suffering and I'm going to I'm going to acknowledge it. And it could be, you know, that there are times where in the middle of great suffering a revelation comes, a something and then you start praising God, but it always starts it comes from the inside out. It doesn't mm-hmm. it's not it's not like forced. It's like I say to people if you're in, in the winter in your soul and in your spirit and your emotions, like imagine you're a tree. It does not help to glue on some leaves. <laughs> like to pretend I'm in spring when I'm in winter. No, what you do is you stand still and you wait. And you wait for the sap of life inside your soul to start rising and to eventually bringing the leaves back it's a it's it's a it's patience and most of the church doesn't have the patience for people who are grieving and who are suffering they just want that whatever it is that's making them uncomfortable to go away and return when they're all good the problem is you don't really get to eat the fruit if you don't go through the winter, the spring, the weeding, the, all the process, like the whole seasonal process, like we, again, we, we, we've become disconnected from the land. Like we, we don't even understand seasons anymore. We go to our local grocery store and, and we buy fresh apples and tomatoes and whatever 12 months of the year. Right. We, cause they come from somewhere else in the world. Yeah. We're there in a different season than us, you know, like, well, human beings, I mean, we're, we're, we're made to live here in this context and in this seasonal way. Obviously, people go, well, I live on the equator, you know, there's no seasons here. Yeah, well, not where I am.
1: You said two things that really struck me. Is one is we live in a drive-through society where we want to drive through and get our fresh food right immediately, and not willing to do the waiting, like you say, for the tree to produce. And what does the scripture say? They that wait Mm -hmm. on the Lord Mm -hmm. will renew their strength. It's not. It's not drive through and pick it up. Yeah. And then the other thing that you stated that just I've never heard anybody state it before, but I appreciate is grief, sorrow, all of these emotions are part of who we are as a creation of Christ. Yeah. Which means those should be do we do we dare use the word celebrated as well? Mm-hmm. Because God doesn't create bad. No. He 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 creates all things for good. So what at what what does sadness, what mm. does lament, what value are those in our life that we're huh throwing out because we're not spending time with them.
0: Right. Well, I, like the thing is, is we live in a, in a world that has suffering. And so if we don't embrace sadness and grief, we can't, we can't even experience real joy as like they've demonstrated now and psychologically and stuff that if you numb certain emotions, you numb all emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't just numb sadness in order to be happy all the time because if you numb sadness you don't experience happiness and joy you you, in other words you can't you can't remove the the peaks and the valleys you have to let them both be otherwise you're down to this life where it's like it's flatlined emotions right and and think about all of the good use the word good which i think is good think about all the good that sadness and grief can bring into your world and to our world they can they can show us what is really valuable they can mm-hmm. they can remind us i mean you know grief is like the that maybe perhaps the object of our love is gone and we are grieving it's just a sign that we actually genuinely loved somebody mm-hmm. um i know when my mother passed away in in november of 2013 i i went through a a couple of years of very, very deep grief. And because my mom was just such a important part of my life and, and in owning that and in expressing it, it was good. It was right. It was part of my life. Um,
2: Mm,
0: Yeah. Just, you know, Christians, this whole thing about like, we turn funerals, we don't even use the word anymore. We call them celebration of life. It's like, well, I get the concept of celebrating a life, but first you have to acknowledge the grief. I have a very special couple when we lived in England for that two and a half years, and they became like our British parents. Mm -hmm. We were in our early 30s. We had five young children, and we would go for breaks to their house. It was about an hour and a half away from where we were living and working, and they were just so special. Anyway, she died of cancer a couple of years ago and they i love the way they did this they did the funeral uh weeks after her death and and it was just this outpouring of sadness that Ginny was gone Hmm. you just couldn't imagine she's gone yes we believe in the resurrection yes we believe but she's right now she's gone right yeah but then six months later, they hosted this amazing celebration of life. Mm-hmm. So they gave people that initial shock and that grief that she's gone. And then they all got together we, and I did the music for the, the celebration of life. Uh, we celebrated Ginny's life. And there's mm-hmm. something human and seasonal and holistic about giving you, giving yourself some more time. So i yeah. plant, that's kind of was a seed planted in my mind. I thought that's a good model. Like yeah.
1: it acknowledges both. We can celebrate, but we also need to grieve. That kind of dovetails into a topic that I wasn't sure how I was going to bring up. Because again, as we're setting up our interview, one of the things that you said is you'd be interested in talking about your, your sons, both mm. of them a condition of the fragile X syndrome. And I'm thinking to myself, why would anybody want to talk about a hard thing like that? But based on what we've just been talking about that, there is joy mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. So you're, you have two sons yes, and they were both born with fragile X syndrome. yes. And I read another um, interview, yeah, I stalked you a lot on online, <laughs> about the fact that you and your wife Joyce prayed Fervently, Lord, help our second son not have this and be born yeah. quote unquote healthy. Yes. And yet he was born as well with fragile X syndrome. Yeah. And then you've looked back on that and seen what a gift that is. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it starts with, you know, exactly what you described, and to use the language of the Psalms, we prayed for deliverance from fragile X and we were not delivered. You know, mm-hmm. we we didn't get the outcome that we had prayed for. So then you take, I mean, I'm talking about a process here that takes years. Okay. I'm not talking about like, Oh, you just, you know, (laughs) so at first you deal with, and it's almost like the stages of grief, like, you know, denial. And then, and then it starts impacting you. But eventually you start coming out as we started to open ourselves up to who not who we wanted our boys to be, but who they actually are, that they come with gifts, with revelation, with, um, experiences that are good. And we would never have those gifts and those experiences without these boys being Mm. who they actually are, not who we wanted them to be. Right. Uh, you know, and it's sometimes the 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 experience of going through this is like a, a pretty wild ride, okay? Mm-hmm. Because there's there's moments of just incredible joy and laughter when when they do something that um is is like life-giving or fun or funny or, you know, and we just, we go, did you see that? Did you hear that? Isn't that amazing? And we're just celebrating it. And then something else will happen. Like, you know, the, the pandemic with, you know, our older son, Ben, who is a public events guy. So our younger son, so Ben's now 29, Isaiah's 21. Ben lives for things like concerts um the next Star Wars movie coming into the cinema. Like he just loves being out with people and he's like looking around and and he'll be looking at me, Star Wars, new one, new one. He has he has a few words where our youngest <laughs> son has almost no words. Okay. New one, new one, dad, you, me, like let's you know, like it's all yeah. he's all animated. And then along comes a pan darn pandemic, yeah, and everything is shut down, and he is so disoriented. You know, Mm. meanwhile, Isaiah is 21 and he's like, he he doesn't like going out to public with crowds. He just loves being at home, loves playing with his toys, watching the Muppet show on the iPad and laughing his head off. And he's like, pandemic. So what? This is fine. Like, I just got to do my thing and nobody's bugging me. I don't have to go to public events anymore, you know? Yeah. So we, we ride the roller coaster and they're so different, each of them. They have different personalities. But yeah, it's it's taken years to just see that they bring a gift of presence, a gift of being in the moment. You know, one of the things with mentally disabled people is that they cannot fake mm. their emotions. Yeah. They cannot put a, a filter. And pretend that they're happy when they're sad. When they're sad, you know it. And there's a gift in that. It's an incredible gift. Yeah. And again, I think all of us, quote unquote, normal people, need to have them as our mentors from time to time in certain ways
1: to help us live a bit more, maybe honestly. There's a reason that Jesus said, let the little children come to me mm-hmm. or, or theirs is the kingdom. And if you, if you analyze it, and I'm not a psychologist or anything, but if you watch your kids as they come to something, it's just that full on embrace and, you know, living life in the now yeah, and showing their emotion and not hiding it. Yeah. And um, so I think, I think what you've just described is definitely the way God has intended it probably for us adults who have unlearned. Yeah how to be God's kid.
0: Yeah. But when you're living in an entire culture that doesn't walk that way or see life that way, sometimes yeah. it's pretty overwhelming. So that gets thrown in there too. <laughs> you know. And and then when I, you know, when we're not in pandemic and I'm doing some touring and traveling and then I call home and it's and it's not going well. It's really, really hard. And which is why I've over the years I've I've traveled a lot less than many of my peers and probably sold a lot less music and albums because of that. Because but but then the gift of that is that it's created some limits Mm -hmm. for the Dirksen family, which have then enabled us to have a quality of life with those limits. That have, for my wife and me, you know, Joyce and I were, you know, we're were 36 and a half years into our marriage. We were 19, we were high school sweethearts. We were 19 when we got married and our relationship with each other is the most important human relationship we have. We have a date night every week. We prioritize each other, right? So then, which is really important for parents of special needs children, where the divorce rate skyrockets from 50% Mm -hmm. to over 80%. Wow. So
1: do you think you would have had the, and I realize hindsight is, you know, what's good is hindsight, but do you think you would have had the clarity to have made that a priority without the gift of your sons and the needs that they had? The, the focus on time and the focus on schedule and the limitations as you as you stated
0: well I think I think there's two things to that I don't know honestly if I would have because like any young male who's a visionary and has some entrepreneurial bent like I do I would have been going after the thing you know like mm-hmm. yeah. better more uh, and and even spiritually like God's using my music to touch people well then more is better i should do this more yeah and and i think god used both the the birth and my sons to just slow me down and then the other thing is is my wife is she's a very earthy very beautiful but very earthy and ordinary and not at all impressed with people on platforms mm-hmm. and she can see through people's BS right away. Like she is, she doesn't, she, yeah, she's just not impressed with it. Mm-hmm. And so she has also just grounded me. Like not, I don't mean, you know, grounded me as like, you're <laughs> grounded. <laughs> I mean like in the best sense of the word like she's grounded me like she's kept my roots close to home my heart close to home um we do we we do life together we're very different she's not that interested in music Hmm. she loves reading and novels and she loves going for walks and she loves hanging out with some girlfriends close friends that she has she's she's an incredible servant and she works so incredibly hard and so when she has time off i want her not to be doing what i would like to do but what she wants to do um yeah
1: that's cool to have that god brings to us kind of the yin to our yang to help ground us and yeah bring us back to center well, gosh, I've got tons of stuff that I want to talk about. I uh, and we might have to do another one of these mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I wanna I wanna hear about your singing through the Psalms. Okay, you you talked about that, so maybe we can do that as another podcast. But what okay. I'd like to what I'd like to kind of wrap this up with is you have just released your first all hymns project Mm -hmm. uh, crowdfunded and you put that out there. I I appreciated the story on your Kickstarter page of how you decided to put this out and was wondering if you could give us that synopsis and, and maybe what song should we tease the album with?
2: (laughs) Mm.
0: Well, um, you know, the hymns for life project was really a result of the pandemic. Um, in the in the in the immediate, but it's this long change in me from my teens of kind of resisting hymns because they they come from another generation from another to over time uh, learning to so deeply love these timeless songs mm. and uh, and. As I think the older I get, the more humbled I get as far as my recognition that my own creativity, I did the best I could. But there's something about these these giant, like they're like trees that have mm. endured for centuries and brought shelter and life and refreshing to so many people. Yeah. And as I went through periods of crisis and losing my words and... You know, I did a bunch of stuff with the Psalms, but like that, these hymns, when you've lost your words, they can be your words. But they're carried, those words are carried on the back of such timeless melodies. And so I thought, you know, I had planned to, you know, 2020, I was going to do all this, you know, live events and touring and da-da-da-da. Instead, I'm at home. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go instead of like trying to like sing and write a bunch of new songs. I'm gonna sing some old songs, yeah. and I'm gonna get the comfort of that. I'm gonna put my roots deep down into it, and but I'm gonna do them in my kind of signature style. And yeah. um, we had such I would say it was about seven months, seven eight months of almost full time work here and there just immersing ourselves in these hymns and I'm very pleased with how the album turned out. It, it sounds like the hymns, but it also sounds like me and then having my dad, you know, 80, yeah. 84, as he calls himself, he's 84. He says, I'm just a junior senior. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's still singing away and the privilege of singing, I think four of them with him, Mm. two of them that are a little bit more featured with my dad
1: and that's kind of coming full circle for you too because yeah. your kind of introduction to music was dad Yep, yeah. prepping Ex- for sunday morning exactly
0: yeah and i and i said that 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 i have this vivid memory actually right here oh this is wild mm. right here like i'm looking i'm looking this is the room this was my dad's study and he would bring his hymnal in and then he i would hear i would hear him this is my father's world. Whatever, you know, him he's reviewing for the, that he's yeah. going to sing the next day. And and to have a father like that, I had, you know, I, I'm like growing up in an ordinary place. I had friends who fathers were complete jerks, were alcoholics, yeah. were, were like broken men. And my dad's not perfect, but this is the kind of father I had, you know. That's yeah. what when other men were going out and doing crazy stuff on Saturday night, my dad was singing hymns and getting ready for the Sunday service, you know? So those, yeah, exactly. Those are the seeds planted in my boyhood heart that were, that are bearing fruit now when I'm, you know, 55 years old. So.
1: Yeah. That's powerful.
0: Yeah. So, so the first, the first single that we released to radio and to the digital streaming platforms is I heard the voice and It's probably, in one sense, the most um, modern sounding arrangement on the album. It's a little, and it's a little bit less known. Like, it's not the biggest hymn as far as popularity, but it's so, oh, like it's a Scottish hymn, but you know i heard the voice of jesus say and and all of these you know come and rest come and drink come it's like the beautiful invitation of jesus with this this scottish folk melody mm. and then i wrote this simple refrain i heard the voice the voice i hear the voice the voice i heard i think in some ways that sums up almost my life, my journey, is that it started when I was 15, I heard the voice, like this voice calling to me. And now, you know, whatever, what is that now, 40 years later, I hear, I still hear the voice. I don't always control when I hear it, like I can't just snap my fingers. But the voice of love, the voice of God, the still, small voice.
1: So, if people want to pick up this album where should we point them to, to get your album
0: for the next little bit it's not available anywhere except for on my website briandirksen.com and there's a store link and boom we, we've got a cd we've got vinyl records of it and we've and and if people well, i have no way to play anything physical well, I would encourage you, well, buy the digital album for us. We've even got a bonus file on there where it's like the entire album is one file. So you can mm-hmm. just hit play. You don't even have to import it into any iTunes library or anything. Yeah. And you know, And that way, us artists, when you buy directly from us, we actually get the revenue versus Apple if you buy it right. from iTunes or whatever. It makes a really
1: big difference. So the real question is on that one single file, you put a big pause in there so we can get over and flip it over. <laughs> <laughs> See that? No, to get that experience,
0: you have to buy the vinyl record. <laughs> yeah, but that's like, it's like back. Hey, I know, it just hit me. You know, back way back in the day, when you went to the movie cinema, there would be an intermission. Mm hmm. Drives me crazy now. They make put out like this two and a half hour Star Wars film, and they don't have an intermission. Yep, I got to get up and stretch my legs at some point. So, so vinyl records are like they they have an intermission.
1: Well, Brian, every Saturday we send out a prayer letter to a bunch of folks who've uh, agreed to pray for artists. And um, how can we have Hmm. folks be praying specifically for you in the weeks and months upcoming?
0: Well, I, we would most love prayer for um, our, our, our sons, and Benjamin um, actually just, we just got news that his main caregivers have given notice, so that's a kind of a fresh little mini crisis for us, so we carry those boys and care for them as much as we can, but we need help, and so yeah and then you know just that i would know how to serve next you know i feel like kind of like i got to this point where i the hymns album feels like the ending of some chapter you know it's my 10th solo album it's and it's all songs i didn't write it's hymns and i kind of wonder you know what's next i i know there's next
1: I'd really like to thank Brian for sharing his story. As a lifelong follower of Jesus, I've often wrestled with understanding how the hard times in life can possibly be used by God. Over and over again I've heard, like our conversation today, that joy is often a byproduct of working through grief. Maybe that is part of our human condition, that we have to reach rock bottom before we can see how great God's gift of joy is for us. My pastor, Lou Shelton, this past week, brought another new perspective to me about the trials that we go through. When a car company introduces a new model, it has to go through a bunch of national safety testing to be certified to sell. And he asked, do you think that the car company sends a car that might pass the test? Nope. They have done extensive testing on their own to ensure that it will pass the stringent government tests. The same holds true for us as people. When the Bible says that the testing of our faith produces a chance to grow, or when you hear that God doesn't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle, these are indications that God knows we can handle the testing. The grief we are going to experience and the tough stuff we are going through is only allowed by God because he knows that together we can handle it. I really love that thought. So just maybe the grief and trials and tough life circumstances we are going to be going through are just another way for God to show his love to us, his confidence in us, and how we can do all things with Christ who gives us strength and knows our limits. I really appreciate how Brian shared that the challenges he and his wife have gone through and even the, quote, unanswered prayers for healthy boys have helped him grow. And yes, the work may be tough, But the resulting peace and joy that comes out of those experiences is worth it. God, thank you for testing me. And thank you for knowing that with your help, we can make it through these rock-bottom experiences. And thank you for promising that there is joy in the journey. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you.